of women don't know how to do a Kegel properly. And it's not something that maybe your doctor ever showed you how to do or ever no one ever walked you through how to do that exercise correctly. So if we're strengthening incorrectly and you already have symptoms that are caused by pelvic floor tightness, doing Kegels can be really detrimental. Welcome to the Business Muscle Podcast, where we empower entrepreneurs to transform their businesses into unstoppable empires. I'm Elise, CPA turned serial entrepreneur. And I'm Arielle, a seasoned physical therapist and business owner. We're two female entrepreneurs with a passion for helping small business owners like you achieve massive success. With our combined expertise, we've scaled to an impressive seven businesses in less than seven years. And guess what? Each of them was profitable right from the start. But we didn't stop there. We're here to share our secrets, strategies, and insider tips to help you turn your business into a thriving reality. And hey, we're not just all about business. As a physical therapist and fitness instructor, we'll also sprinkle in some fitness and wellness tips along the way. Join us on the Business Muscle Podcast every Monday as we guide you step-by-step towards financial freedom and building the business of your dreams. It's time to level up your business. Get ready to flex your business muscle. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another Wellness Wednesday episode, the first Wednesday of the month. We are always going to be dropping some sort of wellness episode, whether it's fitness-related or health-related, and today is a topic that Ariel loves and I've learned to love, and it's all about pelvic floor health. So we're basically going to debunk four pelvic floor myths that are out there that get thrown around a lot, and we're going to get to know the nitty-gritty, what's right, what's wrong. So today we're going to start, Ariel, just tell everybody, what is your pelvic floor? Yeah, I'm really excited to talk about this because not enough people are talking about it. And a lot of people don't even know what their pelvic floor is because it's not a muscle that you can see. It's very difficult to feel that muscle. So it's really important that we're talking about it today. So your pelvic floor is a set of muscles on the inside of your pelvis. They have a really important function in stabilizing the pelvis and the spine and creating a really strong base of support for things like doing a squat or going up and down the stairs, walking, running, those muscles are kind of always on, just like your abs and your glutes and your lower back muscles. They create that support. They also help us maintain our bowel and bladder. So it helps us to be able to go to the bathroom when it's appropriate to to go to the bathroom. And they help us hold our bowel and our bladder when it's not an appropriate time to go. They also have an important role in sexual function. So a lot of the clients that I see have pain with intercourse and things like that, and they end up just dealing with it because they don't know what they should be doing if they have those types of symptoms and don't even realize that the pelvic floor could be the underlying cause for something like that. Yeah. And the pelvic floor issues relate to guys and girls. It's not just females, but a lot of the people that I talk to at Sweat Fix and a lot of the people that we see coming through Fix, it's females that are living with they might be leaking or there might be pain with sex and they've been living with this for years and years and they didn't think that they could ever do anything about it. So yeah. And it's so important that we're talking about it because exactly like you said, a lot of people have never mentioned something like this to their doctor. They've never talked to their family about it. They've never addressed these issues because they don't realize that there's so many things that you can do about it. But there's so many exercises, so many breathing techniques, so many lifestyle changes that you can do that can make drastic changes in your pelvic floor. Yeah. So let's jump right in. Myth number one, and I hear this a lot at Sweat Fix. You probably hear this a ton. It probably drives you crazy. But if I have pelvic floor dysfunction, I should just be doing Kegels. Yeah, I hear this all the time. And it drives me nuts because a lot of the clients that I see have 
a symptom that is created by pelvic floor tightness. So there's kind of a couple different categories of the clients that I see. One is symptoms that are created by pelvic floor tightness. This is things like pelvic pain, things like pain with intercourse, things like pain with inserting a tampon. And those symptoms are caused by the pelvic floor already being very tight. So if your doctor is recommending that you just do a Kegel, and if you don't know what a Kegel is, it's essentially contracting the pelvic floor muscle. Like think about like a bicep curl, except you're doing that with your pelvic floor muscles. If you're doing strengthening over a already um, tight pelvic floor, that's going to create so many more problems down the road. So a muscle that's already tight, we don't want to just go right into strengthening. And the second reason why this drives me nuts is that a lot of women don't know how to do a Kegel properly. And it's not something that maybe your doctor ever showed you how to do or ever no one ever walked you through how to do that exercise correctly. So if we're strengthening incorrectly and you already have symptoms that are caused by pelvic floor tightness, doing Kegels can be really detrimental to your health and create way more symptoms down the road. And that's why you should go see a pelvic floor PT if you're not even sure. So after I had Mason, before I ever went back to working out, I just wanted to make sure I had no leaking, no pain, but I just wanted to make sure I was doing everything correctly. And I went and saw a pelvic floor PT and they're able to tell you if you're doing it right, doing it wrong, if you're too tight, if you're too, um, if you need to strengthen more. So it's huge to have somebody that is certified and knows what they're doing and actually guide you. Right. Absolutely. So yeah, the other category of clients that I see are appropriate to do pelvic floor contractions or Kegels uh, because if you have something like urinary incontinence, like say you're someone who has leaking every time you go out for a run, then it really is important that you're doing strengthening. But it's important that you're doing your strengthening the right way. And I see this all the time. I'll see someone who thinks that they're doing a pelvic floor contraction, they're actually doing the opposite or they're using their glutes and they're using their inner thigh muscles to try and do that action and they don't know how to just isolate the pelvic floor. So by seeing a pelvic floor physical therapist, we can assess what's going on, make sure that Kegels or pelvic floor contractions are actually an appropriate exercise for you, teach you how to do them correctly and then make sure that you're not compensating with any other muscles so that we're actually targeting the right muscles. One thing you taught me that I still have to like think about when I'm doing Kegels <laughs> it's is so hard. the breathing. This is like probably the number one thing you th- see that people like kind of mess up. Oh, it's up. the most challenging thing for yeah, sure. I have to like still like think about it and then it's so tough. So can you just tell people the breathing? Because this is probably where a lot of people like me are messing up. Yeah, definitely. So when you think about doing a pelvic floor contraction, you want to think about drawing your pelvic floor up and in almost like if you had a tampon in, drawing it up and in closer to you. So the breathing pattern that you want to do while your pelvic floor is activating is that you want to exhale while you're doing a pelvic floor contraction. And this is because it's a pressure system, your abdominals and your pelvic floor. Your pelvic floor is the bottom. And anything that anytime you're breathing in, it's creating an increase in pressure. And this is putting more pressure downwards on your pelvic floor. So if you're trying to inhale or hold your breath while you're doing a pelvic floor contraction, those two things are fighting against each other. So the pressure is going downwards. Your pelvic floor can't contract in that position versus when you're exhaling, releasing the pressure, it's almost giving those muscles a little tactile cue to contract while you're exhaling. So you want to think about making like a shh sound or breathing out through pursed lips. Like if you're going to blow out a birthday candle, those are really great ways to facilitate the pelvic floor and actually help those muscles to fire more effectively. 
Awesome. And then somebody that's maybe leading up to having their first baby, and this is like obviously very general. I know you have to see people one-on-one to kind of make up a plan, but what is like best practice for like sets for Kegels or the number of Kegels that you recommend without assessing somebody, obviously? Yeah. Yeah. So it will definitely be different based on where you're at. And that's what we do in physical therapy is we meet people where they're at. Um, We assess and see how many reps can you do with a good contraction. But that's something that, you know, if you have a good understanding of how to actually contract those muscles, you could assess on yourself and see, okay, if I'm going to do a five second hold and hold those muscles, then how many times can I do that in a row? Say you can get to 10 with those five second holds, start with three sets of 10. And if that feels super easy, then start to work your way up. A great goal to get to would be eight sets of 10 throughout the day for someone who doesn't have pelvic floor tightness and who is just trying to work on strengthening and endurance. So I usually have my clients do two different types of pelvic floor contractions as well. We do endurance holds, so like a five-second hold with a really long, slow exhale, and then quick contractions. And for both of those, you want to make sure that in between each rep, your pelvic floor is still relaxing fully. And that with each rep, you're exhaling to get that really good breathing pattern. And a lot of times in the beginning, the breathing is the hardest part for my clients to understand. And it feels very separate. It's like you um, activate the breathing, then you activate the pelvic floor, then you activate the core. And eventually it becomes all one system. And the goal is that you're not going to have to think so you know, separately about those three things. And you'll be able to do them all together without thinking about it so much. But yeah, getting to eight sets of 10 would be a great goal for someone who's just starting. Awesome. All right, let's jump into myth number two. I can't talk about my pelvic floor health with my coach, my doctor, or my family. Yeah. And this is a terrible myth and exactly why we're having this episode so that more people are comfortable talking about their pelvic floor health. I think that there are so many symptoms of pelvic floor dysfunction that we don't even realize are stemming from the pelvic floor. I have so many clients who come in with lower back pain or have a diastasis recti or have SI joint pain. And then we start talking and gathering more information. And it turns out that they are either postpartum or they had trauma to the pelvic floor or they have a history of, you know, a hysterectomy or some kind of surgical history that really affected their pelvic floor. They never retrained those muscles. And now down the road, other muscles are starting to compensate, which is usually where pain comes from, right? It's like a muscle imbalance for a prolonged period of time. So if your body's not able to use the right muscles for the job that they're intended to do, over time, another muscle starts to do that job. And that's when the lower back starts to become painful. That's when we start to have issues in the glutes. That's when we start to have issues in our hip flexors. It's because those muscles are doing a job that they're not meant to do over time. Yeah. I was going to ask you, we see so many people that have lower back pain and you're like, oh, I bet they have pelvic floor weakness mm-hmm. or tightness. Or- yep. And how can you tell? Is that this through you have to be with a PT virtually or in person? Or how are you able to assess that? Yeah, it's usually based on the history. So you could ask yourself a whole set of questions about your your own history and seeing if your pelvic floor, you know, potentially is involved. Have you ever been pregnant or delivered a child? Have you ever had any trauma to the pelvic floor, like a fall or a car accident, anything like that? Are you someone who lifts really heavy or is a runner or who is, you know, consistently putting impact through the pelvis and those muscles? Because those are all common risk factors for pelvic floor dysfunction. Um, Someone with increased age, just over time, our pelvic floor tends to get weaker, especially if it's not something that we've ever addressed. So it really can be just, you know, looking at the risk factors and then asking the right questions and looking at if you have lower back pain, what was the timeline about when that started? Did your lower back pain start you know, 
maybe a year after you had your first baby? Or did it start when you started running again after you had your second child? You know, did you have a diastasis or an ab separation with your second baby or a C-section with your second baby? And now you're starting to have some of these symptoms that develop right afterwards. So it's usually looking at the timeline, looking at the symptoms, and then looking at some of those other risk factors that can help us piece it together, whether it's coming from the pelvic floor or not. So you could go to a physical therapist. We are also very excited. We're going to be offering virtual pelvic floor PT in the new year. So, you know, a lot of the, a lot of times the educational piece is the most important thing. So even if you're someone who doesn't have access to an in-person PT, getting the right information and understanding your diagnosis and whether or not you have pelvic floor tightness or weakness can be really helpful in figuring out the right plan for your health. And I'm so excited that we're talking about this and we're screaming it from the rooftops via our Instagram because I didn't realize how many women and men are affected by this. So I know you pulled some numbers. Yeah. So 13 million Americans have some form of urinary incontinence and 85% of those are women, but 15% are men too. So it's something that's super common and not something that you should feel ashamed about or feel like you can't mention to your coach or feel like it's something that you have to just live with because that's something that you there's definitely treatment for and something that you can definitely make better with exercise. Yeah, a lot of people they think that like maybe leaking, like I'm just playing with my kids if I jump, I leak, that's normal. I'm just going to live with that. There's a whole bunch of other um symptoms that Ariel can rattle off too, but these are things that you don't need to live with. So if you hurt your knee or if you hurt your shoulder, you wouldn't just put that aside and be like, oh, I can just manage. It's something you would fix and you wouldn't be ashamed to talk about it. So the pelvic floor is just the same thing. And we're trying to let females and males out there be comfortable with taking care of your health and acknowledging there might be something wrong. And these, there's lots of fixes that it, can, it doesn't take years and years to fix these things. Yeah. And I think it this consistently blows my mind since I've become a pelvic floor physical therapist is how quickly people get better when they start doing the right things. When we start addressing the real underlying cause for some of their symptoms and we start doing treatment. Um, I've had clients who have had pain with intercourse for the last five years since having a hysterectomy. We did five sessions of pelvic floor PT and they're feeling 75% better. Like it can really rapidly progress. It's just taking that first step and understanding that there is a solution. And if I do these things at home and if I actually see a public floor PT and I start working on these things, it can get better quickly. What are some other common ones you see? What are probably like the top three most common that you see at Fixed? Yeah. So definitely urinary incontinence is probably number one. So there's two different types of that. One is it's called stress urinary incontinence. So that would be someone who has leaking with coughing, running, jumping, things like that. The second category is urge. So as soon as you need to go to the bathroom, that's when you experience leaking. Um, second category would be pelvic organ prolapse. This is definitely something that if you've ever delivered a child or you've ever had any trauma to the pelvic floor, we definitely want to be working on strengthening to prevent this because that's when internal organs start to actually expel through the pelvic floor because the pelvic floor's job is to hold everything inside. So if there's enough weakness there, you can get that prolapse and things start to um, expel towards the outside of the body. And then lastly would be the whole category of pelvic pain, which you could put a lot of different things into that category, but definitely pain in the pelvis itself, uh, lower back pain, um, abdominal pain, like lower groin and hip pain and SI joint pain. Um, those are probably the three most common buckets. 
All right. So we're going to head to myth number three. Pelvic floor physical therapy is only for women. Yeah. And only for postpartum women. So that I think that's the most common thing that I hear is that, um, oh, I can't. I don't need pelvic floor physical therapy. I've never had a baby or I don't need pelvic floor physical therapy. I'm not pregnant. Um, And while that is a big chunk of the clients that we see, that's not everyone. I have lots of different clients who come from lots of different backgrounds. Um, I've worked with clients who are CrossFit athletes and they had a diastasis or like an ab separation from doing a really heavy lift or clients who fell off a horse years ago when they were a kid. And now their pelvis is just in a slightly different position from healing from that trauma. Um, clients who had cervical cancer or who had a hysterectomy or had different procedures in that area. Um, so there's lots of clients from lots of different backgrounds. It is not only something for pregnant and postpartum women. However, if you are pregnant or are postpartum, there's lots of things that we can do for that for prevention as well. So we hope that you don't have pelvic floor symptoms from those two things. But if you are someone who is pregnant and just looking for ways to improve your pelvic floor health and don't want to deal with these issues down the road, starting pelvic floor physical therapy while you're pregnant is like the best thing that you can do. I have some clients that I see who just want to come in and make sure that they're moving the right way, that they're doing the right things, that they're modifying their workouts correctly, and they're not doing anything that can promote pelvic floor dysfunction down the road. So while you're pregnant, is a great time to start seeing a PT. Yeah, that's huge. And it makes your whole pregnancy and delivery a lot easier when you're strength training and you're working on your breathing. It just, it all like comes together. So right. it's so huge. Even if you can just give yourself a couple sessions and now since there's a virtual option, it, you don't even have to leave your house it's just, it's like a no brainer. Yeah. And my biggest thing too, is like, let's make it fit into the things that you're already doing. So if you're already taking a strength class or you're already working out a couple times a week, let's get you to the point where you can use your pelvic floor while you're doing your other strengthening, because not only then are you getting the most out of your workout, but you're making it more reasonable to fit it into your life. Right? So if you're someone who's taking Um, a strength class, maybe we pick three or four different exercises that you're really going to focus on your breathing and your pelvic floor activation rather than going home and doing 20 different pelvic floor exercises, which is a lot to put onto your plate for anyone, right? That's just unrealistic. So why not work it into the things that you're already doing and get the most out of your strength class? And guys, we're not ignoring you either. There's a lot of guys that do have pelvic floor dysfunction. If you're big crossfitters, people that lift heavy, At Fix, we specialize with females, but if you have anything going on, definitely reach out to Ariel and she can refer you to a lot of great PTs in the area. Yeah, absolutely. And then myth number four, this is the worst one, I think. I just have to deal with it. Nothing can be done. I've had four babies. I'm useless. This is this is it. My pelvic floor is going to be trashed for good. Right. I hear this all the time too. And it makes me so sad because I have women who finally come to see me after like 20 years after their kids are born. And they're like, oh my God, I can't believe I've been dealing with, with this for the last 20 years when I could have just learned how to activate my pelvic floor the right way, learn how to strengthen my core and these things could have gone away. So just want to make sure that you understand that there's so many things that we can do to take care of your pelvic floor which we'll talk about a few of those things that are great, you know, rules of thumb for everyone to start doing. But if you think that it's 
too late for you to start pelvic floor physical therapy. It's not. It's never too late. Even if you had a C-section 30 years ago, you can still start to make changes in your C-section scar. You can still make changes in your pelvic floor no matter when the initial injury started. And I know you've seen a ton of people, even just over the last few months. What is like one example of a story where somebody came to you and was like, this isn't fixable, but let's give it a go. And you actually had some success with it. Yeah. So I had um, a woman who had a pelvic fracture like years ago from a traumatic injury from falling off a horse. This was probably 15 plus years ago. And she initially had seen a PT. They did a lot of corrective work around the pelvis, but she didn't see a pelvic floor physical therapist at the time. So she had tons of urge urinary incontinence. So every time she was thinking about going to the bathroom, she would have leaking. And after a few sessions, we really started to make improvements. She had mobility that she never thought that she was going to be able to have because we addressed the missing link. The missing link was the pelvic floor. So the other PT had worked on her lower back, her glutes, her hip flexors, lots of different areas, which was important and pieces of the puzzle. But the pelvic floor was what took her from being 50% better to being 95% better. Awesome. And then there's so many different things that you work on with your clients, both virtually and in studio. And I've, I've taken your webinars and I just, from being around you, I've picked up so many tips, but if you were going to give some, some of our listeners, some tips that they can do now to kind of either protect their pelvic floor, or if they do have something going on, what could they do to make it a little bit better? Yeah, definitely. There's a few of my favorite things that you can start to do right away. Um, one is, being really aware of your posture and your body mechanics, because just like with any muscle, the position that you're in will really affect the way that you're able to fire that muscle. So if you think about something like running, if you're running and you're standing up super straight or super far forward, that's something that can put a lot more impact on your pelvic floor versus if your spine is more neutral and your hips are in an appropriate position. Same thing with like if you're someone who works at a computer all day long, if you think about your posture and your shoulders coming forward, that's going to affect your breathing, affect your mechanics and affect the way that the pelvic floor is able to fire. So really working on if you're sitting at a desk, make sure that your computer is at a height where you're is it's above eye level, shoulders are down and back, and that you're really regularly checking in with your posture and that you're taking care of your hip flexors, your glutes, really working on strengthening your glutes and your core. Strength training is probably the best thing that you could do if you have pelvic floor dysfunction. And then really learning how to breathe, especially when you're exercising. Make note, are you holding your breath when you're doing a plank? Are you holding your breath while you're doing a squat? Because that can put a significant amount of pressure through the pelvic floor. I have someone that I um, have worked with who we realized that the biggest piece to her pelvic floor dysfunction was her breathing. We didn't even have to do direct pelvic floor work because once we taught her how to breathe, her pelvic floor wasn't on and firing and trying to squeeze and trying to stabilize during every single exercise that she was doing. It wasn't even lower body exercises. It was like bicep curls and lateral raises, but her pelvic floor was so jacked up because she was holding her breath for all those exercises. So making sure you're breathing out can be super helpful. And then I think one of the most common things that I see for someone who has urinary incontinence is that they stop drinking water. But this can have a reverse effect. You want to make sure that you're not dehydrated because the way that your bladder and your pelvic floor relate is all 
um, all kind of comes back to your brain and the way that your brain's able to fire the right muscles at the right time. So there's a set of muscles around your bladder. There's also a set of muscles in your pelvic floor. They can't be on at the same time. So when you're going to the bathroom, your pelvic floor muscles have to be relaxed. The muscles around the bladder can contract and then vice versa. When you're trying to hold your bladder, your bladder muscles can't be on and your pelvic floor muscles have to be on. So if you're dehydrated over time, this can disrupt the signal and the way that those two things interact. So you want to make sure that you're really staying hydrated. A good rule of thumb is that you want to drink two thirds of your body weight in pounds in ounces of water every single day. And then if you are someone who's experiencing pelvic floor dysfunction, there's some things that you could start to play around with and start to avoid and see if they make a change in your pelvic floor dysfunction. And a couple Um, irritants to the bladder are coffee, alcohol, and sugar, all the good stuff. (laughs) But if you can play around and it doesn't mean forever, but even if temporarily you limited your caffeine intake, you might notice a big change in your pelvic floor health. And then there's some habits that we can start to implement that if we avoid them, they can have a really big impact on our pelvic floor. One is avoiding holding your bladder for too long and Uh, urinating too frequently. So a good rule of thumb is you want to try and urinate five to eight times a day. You don't want to go every hour and you don't want to hold your bladder. Like if you're a nurse or a teacher, you don't want to hold your bladder for four or five hours at a time. But you want to get in the regular habit of urinating every two to three hours. And then you want to avoid that. It's We call it just in case peeing. But like if you're about to go for a car ride or about to go out for your run, if you're going to the bathroom every time you think just in case, that actually could be detrimental to your pelvic floor health as well. This was so helpful. Like so many things that they can just implement, like starting now without even seeing a pelvic floor PT. But if you're somebody that wants to learn more, you want to just even have a consult. We do free consults. You can just go to the fix studios.com website. We'll also put a link in here. You can just schedule a virtual free consult, phone consult with one of the pelvic floor physical therapists on our team. Or if you want to learn more, we actually do have a pelvic floor course. It's called Pelvic Floor 101. Again, that's right on the website of Fix Studios, but we'll put a link in the show notes. Yeah, absolutely. That has a lot more information about what your pelvic floor does and a lot more information about the different diagnoses. So if you have something going on, that can give you a lot more information. It's a great place to start. This was awesome. Yeah. I'm so excited that we're talking about this and so excited we started offering this because it makes so many changes for so many people. So if you're somebody that's thinking about it, definitely click the link, schedule a phone consult. Ariel and Chris at the Fix team are amazing. I know right now lots of physical therapy, pelvic floor places, they have like six months waiting list. So we are so excited to be able to offer more slots starting in January. And we're going to be starting to launch the virtual. You guys are the first to know. Virtual I know PT. you're in the loop. The virtual is going to be great. And there's lots of things that you can do just education wise. So even though you're not with someone one-on-one, you're still going to get a ton out of it. All right. I think that about wraps it up. So if you guys enjoyed this episode, please leave a review. Five stars means the world to us. And you know where to find us, businessmusclepodcast.com on Instagram at businessmusclepodcast. I'm Dr. Ariel.dpt and Elise is Elise Kyra. We will see you guys next Monday. You just finished another episode of the Business Muscle Podcast. If you found value in this episode, don't forget to subscribe and leave us a five-star review. Your reviews mean the world to us and help us reach other listeners who can make a big impact in the business world. Don't forget to join our Business Muscle Podcast Facebook group where you can ask questions and chat with other like-minded entrepreneurs. 
Stay tuned for our next episode where we'll bring you more expert advice and practical strategies to help you thrive. Thank you for being a part of the Business Muscle community and we'll catch you in the next episode.